Welcome to Beyond the Document, the podcast from Formpipe, where we discuss everything that is output, document, and customer communication management. In this episode, we're talking about data privacy, not just complying with the regulations around data privacy, but also understanding the data we hold to help make informed decisions whilst maintaining compliance. So to do this, I'm in the London offices of X8, who are not only the experts on this subject, but are also the Temenos Exchange Partner of the Year. So I'm delighted to be joined by the CEOs, Sonal Ratan and Peter Lankos. Both of you, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you for inviting us to the office. It's great to be here. Pleasure. Congratulations on getting the award from Temenos. It's some accolade, and I don't know who was the 2021 Partner of the Year, but it's, it must be doing the right things to knock them off their perch. Yeah, we're really excited about it, to be fair. It was a, it was a great award, and we're really thankful for, for winning it. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, we'll try and get it back off you next year. Then. That, that's <laughs> <laughs> now, X8 talk about smart data privacy. So can you give us a one-minute overview of what that means to X8, and then also just touch upon what both of you do on a daily basis? Sure. Well, when you look at X8, it is a distributed software platform. And its purpose is to enforce uh, a couple of things. It's data privacy, data protection, and dynamic attribute-based access control, or ABAC, for both data in motion as well as data at rest. And both of you, you're you're both CEOs of the organization. So how do you split those responsibilities? So me, I'm predominantly on the tech side. But we are a deep tech company. So what we're looking to do is predominantly around integrating with other technologies uh, so that's it's a big part of what I do but that that said I've worked with Peter for many years and it is just sharing it running a company is a lot of work yeah, yeah. Uh, it's you know you only leave your corporate career and you do a startup you don't even for a second think of you know who's going to do health and safety or you sure, know the yeah. financial models or all of those sort of things that other people did yeah I remember when we first started it was it came time to do payroll and we're like yeah. Who does payroll? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. That's me going in and authorizing the payments in the bank. Yeah. And, and ordering the milk and locking the door when you're doing all those things for a startup, yeah? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly. So uh, uh, so we, we, we split the <coughs> and divide the, the things that we both oh, do, do well. Brilliant. The best, I guess. That's great. Okay, so let's get into the pod. Um, I think everybody listening to this will agree that the amount of data that banks generate and hold on their clients, whether that's uh, end individuals, you know, uh, consumers or actual companies, that, that amount is growing exponentially. And more and more, we need to consider not only how, but where we collect that data and then how we use, manage, store and retrieve. And when we were talking about this back at Formpipe, we were thinking about our own document management product where we've had to uh, develop that and it's evolved so that we meet those requirements. So can you talk us through the key challenges that you see and especially around the way that people can access uh, their data? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. So we come from a banking background, myself from the business side, so from the tech side yeah. where, where we work together. And we've seen firsthand how difficult it is to manage and control access to data. Uh, the fines that you're seeing in the market are really reflect the fact that this is something you really have to care about. And you look at the statistics and 95% of people say privacy is important to their organization because the minute you lose privacy, and if you have in a regulated industry, and especially in a trust-based industry, the minute you lose someone's data, then you lose that trust and has a very damaging effect on organizations. And what we've seen is 
organizations have gotten to be incredibly complicated. It, it's not uh, like a very simple puzzle. You have lots of applications, you have lots of databases, you have lots of different places where data is held. And that is the challenge mm -hmm. that we see in organizations. Yeah, uh, more so is the digital transformation initiatives that organizations are going through. We're using data in completely different ways. Yeah. And yeah. we're no longer that restricted to one application. We're using third-party solutions. We're trying to get on the cloud. There's so many different things organizations are trying mm. to do. But we're using technology differently. Yes. So we're using APIs now. We're using event-based systems like Kafka. We're using... Uh, you pick your favorite technology, data virtualization technologies, because everyone organization is facing similar sort of challenges. Main thing is to get the uh, common mechanism to get data out. But that comes with a whole bunch of challenges because we're dealing with it in a completely different way. We need newer ways to be able to deal with it. Sure. Okay. And drilling down into that then and the use of attribute based access control, you're seeing that as a, as a positive move forward? Yeah, uh, so d depending on the size of the organization. So if you're a smaller organization, you don't need to, to move from role-based access. You okay. can pretty much control your applications. But I think it's in about 2011, NIST came uh, about with any organization over a, a thousand or a thousand or so employees needs to start considering attribute-based access control. Um, we were speaking to someone just today, actually, uh, where they they implemented role-based access control in an organization to start with, which was a fairly standard. It had centralized controls, did all of those things. It still took eight years to do yeah, that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but now we're, we're looking at ways of what's being asked, especially in things like investment banking, where you've got completely different set of rules and sure. is it retail are coming with GDPR concerns yeah. and yeah. Middle East is coming out with regulations. Role-based access control, is, we, we very, very quickly outrun it. Yeah. Uh, so we need different mechanism, mechanisms to be able to get, get us to where we need to go. Yeah. So the, the evolution for us is not only do you need attribute-based access control, we need to think about how is that data being used and are we authorized to do it? And do we keep having to ask for the same approval over and over again? Okay. And if so, how do we make sure that, that that's not something that we're burdening our organization with yeah. and getting an automated way to do it? And then coming back to Peter's comment as well about the trust, you know, when you look at retail banking, for example, and the cost that goes into an organization around the marketing and the acquisition of a new retail client to then lose them based around something like a loss of uh, data that I'm not saying it's short-sighted because nobody wants that, but it does make you consider where the, where the uh, priorities are being placed by the bank. Well, it was an interesting statistic from Cisco where they came out saying that 83% of organizations see a positive ROI when they invest in data privacy. Okay. Because just for that reason, you, if you're losing that, your cost of acquisition of a client is so high, the fastest way to lose it is to breach their trust. Yeah. So hence, that, that's a very high number. That is. 83% yeah. positive ROI. And that comes back to companies doing the right things in the right way yeah, and demonstrating it as well, which we seems to be a recurring theme on this podcast that where, where good businesses do do that and also can show that to the open market. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, but being on the, the corporate side, the amount of controls and things that you have to do uh, in, okay. as a technology uh, technologist is insane you have to think of every regulation you have to think about not only how 
technology's moving and that which is going at its own pace as it is with DevOps and all of those good things that go with it (laughs) but you're having to think of all of these controls which are coming from your 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 security organization it's coming from your cyber risk teams it's coming from your operations and your risk people Um, it is finding a mechanism that that you can deal with those controls but right now we're doing it in individual applications over and over again and what we think is the right way to deal with it Mm -hmm. is centralizing some of those that burden and being able to allow that that enforcement to happen in different applications different services without actually having to code into every single one and have technology commonalities across the piece as well in in what in what the market or the regulations telling you you need to do yeah so so for example if you've got some uh, a good example would be say if you've got material non-public information for example Yeah. Uh, you've got something that you need to hide. Some big acquisitions going to happen. You've got a handful of people in your organization that can see that. Ah, if that okay. data is in a database and yes. you've got access to it from Tableau, you can bypass your application controls, but sure. you, you've got another way to be able to completely be able to see all of that anyway. If you don't have the same controls everywhere, you're going to find leaks and breaches in different places. So you're going to be against uh, regulation at that point as well. Or you might have a VIP in your system. So you might have George Clooney might be, you're you're, like fortunate to have him as one of your customers. Um, You might not want everyone in your organization to have access to his records. What is he spending money on? I'm sure it's not just Nespresso. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of applications, a lot of organizations, it's binary. You have access to the application and everything in it or you don't. Uh, and when you don't have it, you have to codify that in every single application. The application deals with that logic. You roughly got access to a service, but that that it's just be, so. Where it's the same thing, like when you used to have username and passwords, sure. and everything was tied to your application. But like we said, your data is everywhere. You, how many times are you going to repeat that over and over again? So now this is the opportunity we're seeing: is how do we help organisations not have to repeat that and give them services to, to do that without adding additional burden to their tech team. Got you. And, and then thinking back to FormPipe then in the way that we work in our document management system, that's attribute-based. So that allows us to, or allows the bank as our client to be able to look at that data set from whichever view they need to. So that can be an individual, or it could be a product or a date and so on and so forth. So I guess it's also the, the added advantage that you guys are giving to your clients in the way that they can work. Yeah, so what what becomes burdensome from the operational side of it is having one application do it one way, having another application do it another way, then a third one. Sure. And then you, so you make a change, you have to make it everywhere. Okay. Right, yeah. so yeah. Like, so yeah. even if it would be through third-party systems, mm. and if it was, say, if we were looking at the, the form pipe document management system. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing is that you'd have controls, but what we will be allowing you to do is being able to use the controls that are set up in Temenos, and you could reuse them in Formpipe. You could use them with your your next provider and your next provider right. without having to keep doing yeah. that work and having operational teams manage it for, for every single application. That's where it's starting to get burdensome, I think. Yeah. And expensive, right? Yes, Everyone's looking to, to cut cost right now. Yeah. And if you can do it centrally, it's always cheaper than doing it repetitively. Yeah, yeah. Like it. Okay. And also, we're a global software provider, the same as you guys. So another thing that we're seeing more and more regularly is the need for data sovereignty. Um, This has come up recently for us, and specifically in in certain parts of the world, we we tend to see this. Um, So is there a particular 
area that you're seeing where you see banks having a challenge with the software that they procure based upon this topic? This is one of the, the, the reasons I think we, we did win uh, like the Solution Provider of the Year this year with Temenos is we are exactly solving that. If you look at the regulation regulators and what they're asking for on central banks, it is not always a straight cut as you must put your application and all of the data in, in my jurisdiction. They have some nuances within there as well. So yes. there might be... You can encrypt data, hold it centrally, but you must keep the encryption keys in a certain jurisdiction. Yeah. So that could be one version of it. Or it might be encryptions that might not be good enough. So you might need to use another form of uh, protection technique and still hold it within those jurisdictions. What our technology allows uh, organizations to do is to inject it in when they're able to process and are able to use that data. It will go through that attribute-based access control and then determine whether or not data can be decrypted or data can be used or data can be processed in a certain jurisdiction and it meets those requirements. And, and are there any specific parts of the world that you see more challenging than others? Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're all different. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, and that's right. the biggest challenge. It, it's not like you have one set of cross-border rules for every country yeah they're all different as Sono said some countries you have to keep the keys in country other countries have different the whole data localization issue has become very interesting because it's a way for countries to put controls not to lose jobs maintain control over data so what we're hearing from clients is whilst there are certain countries now that have data localization rules they expect the number to grow over time. Wow. So we, what we're hearing is that they're now treating uh, Switzerland, Germany, etc., not as the difference one, but as the, the way all of them will be going forward. And it's going to be configured such that as data localization pops up, you can now immediately turn it on and, wow. and be able to control that flow of data. I've never considered that as being the driving factor behind it. So that's, that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's definitely, we're, we're, that's where we're, we're seeing a trend. So okay. we, over the last 20 years, it, it, you're seeing more and more countries do sure. it as yeah. well. So yeah. India's got past law that uh, Indian residents' information must stay in India. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, changes in data protection in the US as well. Yep. Saudi Arabia's come out with their, their own version of it recently. Mm. Middle East has definitely got sovereignty issues. They they definitely want to keep the. That, that's where we've seen it recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, and so we're seeing so much of this now. Okay. Uh, so how do you like future-proof organizations for for, for for that event? And when you look at the US, right, it's state by state. It's not even a, a national. So you yeah. now have every state has different regulation. Yeah. If you're operating across all of the US, you, you have to do different things for different states. That gets very complicated very quickly. Wow, I know. From my time of living in the States, I can appreciate that, but never thought about it affecting the, the kind of national banking approach there. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I mean, the other thing, you touched on it earlier as well, where, where we move more towards open banking solutions and, and more banks in, in our experience are looking to build their own ecosystems, so taking best of breed vendors and putting them together. That's beautiful and it's great and it's really good for us as a, as a software vendor, but it does mean that there'll, there'll be more um, data moving around. It'll be more data in motion, I think is the term that you've said to me before. Now, some people will therefore perceive more vulnerability there, which possibly isn't correct. Do you have a specific view on, on that and where there is any threat to data leaks? 
Well, I think the banks have definitely got their, their processes in place to make sure that the third parties they do work with have those adequate controls in place. But where it does become difficult is where you're, you're passing information and say one of your your customers say that they, they want to invoke their right to be forgotten. Yes. How do you ensure that that flows through yep. the, the entire chain? Or you've got, let's say, let's say Middle East in particular, where you have to get consent before you can share with a third party. Okay. If you've just included a new third party in that chain, you don't have their consent, you really shouldn't be passing that information through. And in that case, you know, consent's your friend, but use it. Yes, and yeah. make sure that you, you like throughout that chain, everyone is still querying the same thing to, am I allowed to use this data? And we give that transparency back to the clients and the regulators, because that's what they're asking that's, for. Yeah, sure. But it, it, it sounds onerous, unless you've got technology like ours that will do it for <laughs> you, right? <laughs> And, and just diving into your technology there, because you've got two main products. Okay, so so how do those uh, difference? What's the difference between the two main products that you offer? So we have two main products. The first is Appigator, yeah. which is data in motion. Okay. So that's data flowing through an API gateway or just flowing through APIs, which comes back to you again to your integration point. Sure. Uh, or streaming data. So you think of Solace or Kafka. That is your newer way of, of handling data. So as you go through your digital transformation, it's not just sitting still in a database. That's data at rest, which is our data gator product. So one product will do data sitting at rest. The other product is data as it's flowing. Uh, but you need both typically yeah. okay. because you're not going to, to Sonal's point, yeah, yeah, you don't want to have it in motion protected. And as soon as it goes in yeah. rest, it's protected a different <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, some organizations are doing that. They're, they're looking at different parts of the chain to be able to deal with it. But being able, so if you've got encrypted data that you're doing at the API layer, you still got to deal with it at the database layer as well. Sure. So it's those are the two products that, that we, we have. So depending on if you're doing a larger job that's directly querying databases versus uh, APIs that might be talking to third-party APIs and the open banking ecosystem, which you may not own that data and it was coming from somewhere else you still want to make sure that you've got the, the relevant controls in place got it great okay and then looking forward um I, I come from a compliance background and and i always smile because when when you look at technology and no matter how good the technology is i always think the biggest vulnerability is probably a staff error or, or maybe even malicious staff intent so so where do you see um both your business and also the market going in the next year or two uh, where I see it going is the need for automation for just for those reasons that you said. So when you're looking at the, the soundings coming out of the US now, it's all about security by design. Yes, sure. So with the latest um, comments coming out from the government are that it is the responsibility of the software companies to have security embedded in their product. Mm -hmm. You can't kick the can down the road and say, oh, it's the client's job. They need to build the security in. It has to be built in from the start. So that's that's where I see it going. I think the combination of regulation and customers are going to, it's just going to be something you have to do yeah. when it comes to this. And to your point, you can't rely on people. People will be the weak link. You need automation to enforce these policies. If you tell 10 people to go off and read five policies, yeah. you're going to come up with hundreds of different interpretations of them. Yeah. So by a, be using technology to 
interpret and enforce consistently those policies and not rely on people to do it, we view that as where the world will go. Yeah, brilliant. So, yeah, and obviously with we 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 don't want to be the company that says we use it, but AI. Every company is using AI in some respect or other, yeah, right? Yeah. But by you know, bringing those techniques together, we're able to automate finding data, classifying data by protecting data without having to keep resetting rules every single time. That's where we can see that this is going to be challenging. You're going to like organizations are trying to cut costs, but they're going to have to deal with these controls. How do you provide a mechanism that's going to allow them to do it once centrally so they don't have to keep... And it, it is exactly the same thing as we, we saw with like central identity access sure, management. Yeah. You know, it's just that next generation of that to allow you to not have to keep repeating it in every single application, but be just being compliant yeah. across the state with less effort. And that brings us full circle, doesn't it, to what we said at the top about delivering this in a, an efficient manner yeah. to, to effectively hit the bottom line of the bank as well. Exactly. Brilliant. Okay, well, thank you both very much. I know it's a topic that's very important to a lot of our listeners. So thank you for the chat today. And thank you. Yeah, Appreciate look forward it. to working with you more. Yeah, Sounds great. Thank you. Great. Thank, you. thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Document. And thank you again to Sonol and Peter for joining me today. You can find out more about the great work that they and their colleagues do at X8 by going to X8, that's E-X-A-T-E dot com. I'm Ben Saxton. Catch you next time on Beyond the Document.